Welcome to Wesley Amazon Church, where we're working the vineyard through faith, worship, witness, and service. We've got a word in store for you today, a word that will uplift, a word that will encourage, a word that will elevate your heart to the place of joy, a word that will help you to celebrate the great God that's moving in your life. Let's go ahead and go into the message. To the God that we honor, the God that we love, the God that deserves our devotion. To him, I give glory and honor this morning. To him, I say thank you. To him, I recognize this morning as my Lord and Savior. And to Reverend Wanda Cutberson and to Reverend Taisha Cutberson and to the officers and family and friends of these great churches, the Westmark Fellowship, I greet you in the name of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus, who is the Christ. Our scripture text this morning is found again in Nehemiah chapter 12. That's Nehemiah, the 12th chapter. And as we look at that 12th chapter of Nehemiah, I want to lift up verses 27 through 30. Nehemiah chapter 20. Chapter 12, verse 27 through 30. If you have it, say amen. And it reads, For the dedication of the new wall of Jerusalem, the Levites throughout the land were asked to come to Jerusalem to assist in the ceremonies. They were to take part in the joyous occasion with their songs of thanksgiving and with the music of cymbals, harps, and lyres. The singers were brought together from the region around Jerusalem and from the village of the Netophites. And they also came from Beth Gilgal and the rural areas of Gibeah and Asmaveth, for the singers had built their own settlements around Jerusalem. The priests and Levites first purified themselves. Then they purified the people, the gates, and the walls. Amen. I want to share today from the subject of honoring the good works of God. Honoring the good works of God. Let us pray. Gracious Father, we come now and we bless you. We thank you. We give glory. We give honor to you, Father. For it's in you that we live, move, and have our being, O God. It's in you and you alone, O God, that we come today to worship, to give glory, to give honor, and to give praise. And we ask now, God, that you would have your way in this place, God. Let your Holy Spirit move among us, O oh God. Let your Holy Spirit, O oh God, have his way. Let your Holy Spirit fall afresh upon us, O oh God. We thank you, Father. We ask now that you would supply all that we stand in need of. And I pray, Father, that you would overshadow me and use me for your will and for your glory. And then I ask, God, that you would open our ears and help us to listen. Open our eyes, for we want to see Jesus. Then open our hearts that we might receive him. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the blessed Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. Honoring the good works of God. 
when we uh, talk about dedication, which is the third word into our text on today, we can think about all kinds of things that we do or experience as far as dedication are concerned. When you think about how we have dedications of buildings and, and when we dedicate buildings to, in the name of someone or we dedicate buildings in some society or some particular organization's name. We come to those dedications and we come with a sense of anticipation and a sense of rejoicing. But not only when we talk about dedications of buildings, but we also come for dedication of children at times. Maybe some churches when we dedicate children and when we dedicate our children. And sometimes we come as parents to dedicate ourselves to the life of the children. Usually when there's a child dedication or a child baptism, they come and the people around are coming and declaring that they're going to dedicate themselves to helping make sure that this child grows up to be a good, solid, sound Christian. Amen. And then we talk about dedicating items. Certain items that we may use within the church or we may use within some particular group, we dedicate those items. When we get something new that is involved in the worship life of the church, those items are dedicated to God. Those items are brought in and they're lifted up and there's usually a ritual or ceremony that we go through in order to dedicate those things to God. Well, one of the things that I know and understand is about dedications is this. Usually when the dedication is over, there's a celebration. Usually when the dedication has ended, there's often a celebration. Whether you're dedicating the building or the church may be dedicating a cornerstone, there's usually some type of celebration afterwards. Whether there's a dedication of a child, there's usually a celebration that happens afterwards. There may be a gathering at a restaurant or a gathering at somebody's home to celebrate what happened on that day. Usually when there's a dedication of a building, there's people who will go out afterwards in the secular world. They'll go out and they have drinks and cocktails and, and dinner and things of that nature. But in the church, we have punch, amen, and fried chicken and collard greens and potato salad, amen. And if you're real country, you got chitlins and all that other stuff that go along with it. But we have a celebration usually after the dedication. So when we talk about today the dedication of the walls, the dedication of the city. What has happened is the people have come together and they're now honoring the goodness and the work of the Lord. They're honoring the goodness of God because God has been good to them throughout this entire process. They're honoring the work of the Lord because it had to be the work of the Lord that made all of this possible throughout the process. If it had not been for God on their side, we studied that and we saw that in Sunday school this morning. If it had not been for God protecting, if it had not been for God causing the, the enemy to fund the building project, it would not have happened. It would not have taken place. And it's the same thing that happened with the wall at Jerusalem with Nehemiah. It was because God had touched the heart of Nehemiah and the king saw Nehemiah's disposition. And he said, what's wrong, Nehemiah? And Nehemiah said, my hometown, it lays in ruin." And the king commissioned him to go back, but he gave him the supplies that he needed to go back and rebuild the wall. And we've been looking throughout the study of this book how Nehemiah has not only rebuilt the wall, but now we've come to the point where the people are being rebuilt.
the people are being reignited and re-encouraged in the things of the Lord. Amen. And if you've been going through this whole thing thinking that we've been talking about buildings, if you've been going through this whole study thinking that we've been talking about walls, let me apologize because apparently you have missed it. We have been talking about building us as believers. And, and I know we're in the midst of the Lent season. And, and let me apologize to you again because apparently we have not been connected, but I was praying that, hoping that we would connect to what we've been seeing in the book of Nehemiah, that as we've been going through the book of Nehemiah, it's been talking about how the people needed to reconnect with God. How the people had to take the time to strategize and begin to build in their life, had to make the sacrifice in order to make things happen because God was moving in them to get this thing done. That's all that Lent is really about is us coming to that place of reflection where we began to think about what God has done in our life and who God is and, and determining to grow closer to him. You sacrifice something for the 40 days of Lent and efforts to grow closer to the Lord. But again, most people miss it because the sacrifice that they make is usually only temporary. It's intended to be a permanent sacrifice. Amen. Let me walk a little heavy here. If you've been smoking cigarettes, Lent is the time for you to say, I'm giving up cigarettes. Not for 40 days, but forever. If you've been drinking a little too much uh, Jack Daniels and stuff like that, Lent is the season to say, I'm going to give it up. Not just for 40 days, but forever. Amen. It, Lent is the season that we give it up. Lent is the season that we reflect back on God. And so when we go through this book of Nehemiah, it should have caused us to begin to reflect on our relationship with the Lord. As we've been walking through the book of Nehemiah and we've been seeing how a good God has been moving in the life of his people and how those people have been connecting with God. And now it's time for in these last few chapters to see how the people have been reconnecting with God. How they've been coming back into connection with the Lord. How God has been drawing them back to himself. And as this book connects with the book of Ezra, how the people are reconnected with God. Drawn back to a holy and a righteous God. We come to the point in this text where they have begun to dedicate the walls. And as we come to the point where they have dedicating the walls back to God. They're dedicating the city back to God. We must remember that what God has done leads us to honor him. What God has done in our lives should lead us to honor him. What God has accomplished in our life should lead us to honor him. Think for a moment, what has God accomplished in you? I'm going to let you think about it. What has God accomplished in you? Somebody might say, I'm, I'm not as mean as I used to be. Somebody might say, I don't cuss the way I used to cuss. That's another thing you need to put on your Lent, Lent list. Amen. Lord, let's clean up my mouth forever. Hallelujah. But the thing is, we got to learn that when God has blessed us, when, when God has accomplished something in us, we ought to honor him. And, and when we honor God, we honor God by engaging in dedication, convocation, and celebration. When we honor God, we do it with dedication, convocation, and celebration. When I look at the text before me, one of the first things that I understand and I see is this. We honor God with dedication. Yes, we honor God with dedication. 
What do you mean, Jones, dedication? We've got to begin to dedicate our lives back to him. The one of the ways that we can honor God is by dedication, dedicating our life back to him, understanding that God is working on us. And one of the ways that I honor him is by dedicating my life to doing his will. The city walls had been put in place and now they've been dedicated to God. To make it possible, God helped them to finish the wall. He, he made it possible for them. They didn't get the wall done under their own power, but they got it done because God was moving on their behalf. And, and in case you're still missing it, you didn't get to where you are on your own power. You got there because a good God is moving on your behalf. And even you say, well, I've been living like a heathen most of my life, and I'm still in a good space. No, you think you're in a good space. But you would imagine where you would be if you had a good God in your life. See, you got to where you were because you've been maybe conniving and, and deceiving people. But when a good God comes into your life, he can put you in places that you would have never dreamed of. When a good God comes in your life, he can achieve things that you, through you that you would never imagine would be done through you. Because a good God has shown up in your life, and because that good God has dedicated himself to you, it's time to dedicate yourself back to him. They come to the point where they called all these people to come and dedicate the wall. And as they come to dedicate the wall, they're dedicating the city walls back to God. Look at the walls. The walls have been put in place and the walls are separated them from the outside world and separated them from the outside influence of the world. They no longer have the open gates where the enemy can freely come in and out of the city as they used to. I'm still not talking about walls. I'm talking about us because the breaches of our lives should have been closed off. The breaches of our lives are closed off by God and the Holy Spirit. And as those breaches are closed off, the enemy no longer has easy access into our lives. Let me say this while I'm here. The enemy ought to have to fight to get into your world. He ought not just have easy access to you, but he ought to have to fight to get into your world. If the enemy can get into your world at a drop of a dime, if the enemy can get into your world as easy as one, two, three, if the enemy can get into your world as easy as sweet potato pie, then we got a problem. The enemy ought to have to fight in order to get into your world. The enemy ought to have to fight in order to entice you. The enemy ought to have to fight in order to get you seduced and to get you to do things that you know you're not supposed to do. The enemy ought not have such an easy time deceiving us. But the enemy ought to have to really struggle and fight to get us to do the things that he wants us to do. Because God has closed the breaches in our lives. And if you let them stay closed, if you continue to build those strong walls, every now and then there may be a crack in your wall. Every now and then there may be a hole developing in your wall. That's when you got to begin to really get into work and get to do the will of God and begin to get in the word of God that those breaches will be closed. Amen. Sometimes we got to do maintenance on our spiritual lives. We can't just think that we are right and just, we just keep going. There's, sometimes we need to do maintenance on our spiritual lives because that's how cracks develop. That's how holes develop because we don't take care of the maintenance of our spiritual lives. And then that hole turns into a, a, a bigger hole and that, that hole turns into a void in the wall. And because now there's a void in the wall, the enemy has easy access again. So be careful about going through life without checking and maintaining your spiritual life. 
But also the dedication points us to the fact that a good God is working in our lives. When you look at the wall and you begin to understand that it was because of the goodness of the Lord that they were able to accomplish the task that they did. It was because God was good that they were able to build this wall. It was because the goodness of the Lord that the God was moving in this situation and able to do what only he could do. Think about this. Nehemiah built this wall in 52 days. Not 52 years, 52 days. If you go back to the temple, it took them far longer to rebuild the temple. Why did it take them longer to rebuild the temple than it did to rebuild the city walls of Jerusalem? One, the people got distracted because the enemy had access to them. Two, the people were discouraged and they were easily discouraged because the enemy had access to them. But three, when you began to understand that the enemy deterred them, the enemy discouraged them, the enemy had access to them, and because of that, the enemy stopped the work. But if you look at Nehemiah, Although the enemy had access to him, it didn't stop him. Hallelujah. Although the enemy had access to him, it didn't discourage him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Although the enemy had access to him, he understood the mission. He understood who was on his side. Understand this. The enemy came at him over and over and over again. But the enemy was having to fight in order to discourage or try to discourage Nehemiah. And Nehemiah wasn't having it. Nehemiah didn't care what they said. They said, Nehemiah, what you're doing, it won't last. A fox will come and tear it down. Nehemiah said, I'm doing a great work and I can't come down. Nehemiah, come out here and meet with us. I can't come out there and meet with you. God has me busy right here. Nehemiah shows us what it's like to understand that we have a good God working in our life. And I'm going to honor him by doing his will. I'm going to make sure that I continue to do the work of the Lord. I'm not going to give up the position that I'm in. I'm not going to step away from the work that God is doing me just so I can come out and meet with you. And Nehemiah understood this too, that they're only trying to deceive me so that they can kill me. The enemy wants you out of position in order to destroy you. The enemy wants you out of position so that the work doesn't get done. Let me make it real clear for you. The reason that the enemy is sometimes battling us in our homes is because he's after your children. The reason that the enemy is battling sometimes in our marriages because he's trying to destroy it. And if he can destroy it, he destroys a, a testimony. He may destroy a faith in somebody's life. But as we keep fighting, that's why I said the enemy ought not be able to convince you so easily. He ought not be able to win you so easily. It ought to be a real fight and a real struggle when the enemy tries to come up against you. And when we understand that he's out to get us, and when we understand that he's out to destroy us, that he has nothing good for us, but he's only out to stop the work of God in our lives. We've got to make sure that we are honoring him by dedicating our lives to him, dedicating myself to him. I'm dedicated to the Lord. We have to serve the Lord with our whole heart, our mind, our soul, our spirit, our entire being. Serve the Lord with all of your strength and all of your might. Give God what is due him. That is the devotion to his holy and righteous name. A devotion to the, the service of the Lord. Because we need people in days like this to be dedicated to the Lord. 
So dedicate yourself to the work and to the will of Almighty God. Because when we dedicate ourselves to the work and the will of Almighty God, God will get the glory in the end. But not only must we honor him with dedication, we've got to also make sure that we honor him with convocation. Yes, we honor him with convocation. Jones, you say convocation. That's usually something that happens when a high up in the church, a, a bishop or somebody high up in a particular church or denomination <laughs> calls what we call a, a holy convocation or a holy assembly. And everybody comes and gathers in that holy convocation or that holy assembly. Well, let me help you out. When we gather on Sunday, it's a convocation. Because really what it is, is we are gathering in one place for one purpose. And so it becomes a holy convocation. Because we're only gathering in this one place is because this is where we say God meets us. Although we can meet God anywhere. We've declared that this is our house of worship. This is the house that we come to to meet and dwell and, and, and to commune with the Lord. But not only that, we gather for one purpose, to give him glory, to give him honor, and to give him praise. We got to stop with this mentality that we come to church for it to be about us. It's not about us. When we come through those doors, our ego should get checked. Amen. When we come through those doors, our, our, our likes and dislikes ought to get checked. When we come through those doors, we got to come in and understand that we've come to worship a good God that's been working in our lives. We've come to honor a God that has been good to us. We've come to give him glory, honor, and praise. We didn't come to glorify each other. We came to worship him. We came that we might give him glory. We came that we might lift up his holy name. We came that we might hear a word from the Lord that will encourage us and strengthen us or a word that will convict us to live up to the plan that he has for our lives. It's not about us. It's about him. Why do we call it God's house if it's about us? Why do we call it God's house if we're only going to come in here and get what we like and what we want? Why do we call it God's house if we dictate when and how we come or if we come? If it's God's house, we come here to meet God. If it's God's house, we come here to please the Lord. If it's God's house, then we come here to lift up his name and not ours. Why is it that we come to the house of the Lord, but we're seeking our own way? The people came from all around, this was a convocation. If you notice in the 27th through the 29th verse, it talks about them coming. It said they came, the Levites, throughout the land, and they were to come into Jerusalem and to assist the ceremonies. The Levites came to assist with the worship. They were to take part in the joyous occasion. Hallelujah. I can have joy every Sunday I come to church if I desire it. I don't care who's preaching, who's singing, who's teaching. I can have joy if I desire it. 
I can come to church and have joy if it's nobody but me and the pews. I can have joy if it's nobody but me and one other person. Hallelujah. Because joy does not depend on who's here. Joy does not depend on what's happening. Joy does not depend on me having the most melodious voice. Joy does not depend upon me being able to wax eloquently behind the pulpit. Joy is me recognizing that there's a good God that's been moving in my life. And when I recognize that that good God is moving in my life, it stirs something in me. And, and it's not because of what's happening around me. It's not because of, of who's moving in front of me. It's not because of what somebody did or what somebody said. But in the midst of me coming into the house of worship, and I recognize that I, I got here because of the goodness of the Lord. And, and as people began to lift up their voices in song, and I began to lift up my voice too, it's something begins to stir on the inside of me. Now, individuals, we may have the most cracked up voices that there are. But it's just something about when folk get together and they begin to lift up their voices in joy. All of that cracked up stuff starts to go away and you start to hear melodies come together. You start to hear tones come together. It's because joy has now filled the air. When we come together with joy and we begin to sing with joy and joy begins to fill the air, it has a way of changing what we're hearing. I know I can't sing, but I sing anyway. You didn't have to agree, Sister Olivia, but that's all right. <laughs> I still got joy anyhow. <laughs> I still got joy. You know why? Because I'm singing to the Lord. We can have joy no matter what is going on around us. These people are honoring God because God has called them to this place. The place is Jerusalem. The place where he's declared that his name will be. The place that he's declared that his people will meet him. The place that he's declared they will come once a year to bring their sacrifice. The place that he's declared that they will come and celebrate the Passover. This is the place. The place called the Holy City. The place that God's name will reside. This is the place. They've come to the place. The one place that God has called them to. Aren't we so fortunate that God has called us to this place? Aren't we so fortunate that God has called us to meet him here and to worship his name here? Because this is where he resides. This is where his name resides. And I know there's some other people that are worshiping right now, and they're saying the same thing. But that's just the kind of God that we serve, that he can be in all places at all times. And because he can be in all places at all times, we got a God that can meet every need whenever that need arises. Because he is a good God and because he's working in our lives and because he's a good God and because he's working in our lives, then we ought to honor him by coming together and gathering in the place. Hallelujah. Now, I know we've been missing it because of the pandemic, but we still were gathering virtually. I know some folk don't like virtual worship, but when you put in certain situations, the fact that you desire to still gather that's where God wants you to be. He says, I see your heart. You may be at home, but I, I see your heart. I, I see your heart. But when you get a chance to come into the house, when you get a chance to come through the doors 
and you begin to engage in the God that we serve here. You begin to engage in the God that we worship here in the house. And it's something about getting together face to face. Hallelujah. Now, a lot of folks said they were missing in-person worship. I can't tell. You say you're missing in-person worship, but you're still at the house. The doors of the church are open. Amen. And it ain't for the benediction right now either. The doors of the church are open and we're in the house. And maybe you're still cautious. You've got room. You can spread out. Hallelujah. But we understand that we're in the place. And then you got to understand this. The convocation is drawing us for a purpose. God not only drew them back to the place, but he drew them back to the purpose. And the purpose is to get back. The convocation is intended to draw the people back into the will and the ways of God. It's to draw the people back into the will of God. To draw the people back into the ways of God. And how does that happen, Jones? When the people got back to Jerusalem and they began to engage in the work of rebuilding the temple. When Ezra and Zerubbabel brought them back and they began to rebuild the temple. And then as Ezra brought them back and he began to instruct them again in the things of the Lord. And then when Nehemiah brings them back and he rebuilds the city walls. God was intending them to come back and reestablish the city. To repopulate the city. And now that they've done that, they've come to the place, and now the purpose is for the people to re-engage a good God, to re-familiarize themselves with the God of their ancestors. And as they now find themselves back in this place, now find themselves getting re-committed and reignited with the Lord, God calls them to a convocation. And notice this, they have this, this great celebration because they've been called back by taking into taking the law of God into them, their minds, their hearts, the law of God. That's why they've come back to get the law of God. Remember a few chapters back when they read the law and they got so convicted by what they heard that they began to dedicate themselves. They dedicated themselves then. Now it's time for them to dedicate the wall because they know it's time to get back to the law of God. And then they did so by giving the understanding of the law. The people came to the convocation so that they could get the understanding of the law. And then they came that they might be moved to honor and obey God. They come that they might be moved to honor and obey God. To get his law. To get understanding of the law. And then to honor and obey him. And then by moving with honor to obey God's law, they come together for that purpose and the place that God has planted them. Jerusalem was the place that God was planting his people. Jerusalem was the place that God was giving them to occupy. Jerusalem was the place that he was giving them the power to influence the world around them. But it means that they have to get back to the things of God. They've got to get back to the law of God. They've got to get back to the will of God. They've got to get back to obeying God. And if they don't come back to the place of obedience before Almighty God, they'll find themselves back out in the wilderness, back out in captivity. God wants them to come back to that place and reestablish themselves with him. But it means that they've got to come to this place of convocation. But not only must we come to that place of convocation, a holy have convocation, we got to also understand that we honor God with celebration. Yes, we honor God with celebration. When you look at verse 30, 
you'll find that he tells them the priests and the Levites first purified themselves. Then they purified the people, the gates and the walls. We honor God with celebration. That's why, you know, especially us as black folk, that's why our worship is a little more animated than most people. Because we understand what it means to celebrate. Even if you go back to Africa with our ancestors, you'll see that when it comes to spiritual things, they're animated and they celebrate. But for some reason, we start thinking that we're not supposed to be that way. We start thinking that we're not supposed to be, uh, what's that big old word they use? Demonstrative in our worship experience. But can, how can I act when I realize a good God has been working in my life? How can I act when I realize God has gotten me out of some dangerous toils and snares? How can I act when I realize that all over these bad times that I've had in life, it's been a great God that's brought me over and through the valleys and shadows of death. How can I not give him some type of outward expression of my worship and my praise? Be be because God has been good and, and because he, he's been good, I'm going to honor him by celebrating. And if you notice, when I read it, it said that they had these two choirs, hallelujah, and they two choirs began to march up the walls. And in case you got it in your mind that these were some little puny walls, notice the text said that the choirs marched up and began to march around the city on the walls. You tell me what kind of wall can a choir march on? And not only a choir, but two choirs. And one went one direction and one went the other direction. And notice this, as they marched around the wall, they were giving expressions of thanksgiving. They were being thankful unto the Lord. As these two choirs had marched around, they were reminded again about the goodness of the Lord because God had allowed them to build the walls. Imagine you marching around the wall, and as you marched around the wall, you're seeing the work of God underneath you. You're seeing how you've accomplished the, God, the plan that God has brought you to. And you're seeing how it came to fruition. And because God is moving on your side, because you had a good God working in your life, you're marching on the promises of God. Hallelujah. He promised that he would bring them back. He promised that he would restore them. And as they marched around the wall, they're marching on the promises of God. They're marching and seeing what a good God can do when he's working in your life. But they also were given expressions of joy. What does joy really reveal about us? Maybe joy reveals what we believe about God. Hallelujah. Because when I got joy, I can be walking in the midst of hell itself. But because I got joy, I'm not robbed of my joy. I've got not happiness, but joy. Because you got folk that can have hell breaking loose all around them. They can seem to be walking through on fire, but they still have joy. Because they understand who God is. If you go back and you read uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the midst of the fiery furnace, why was it that they could still have joy? They were in a bad situation. It looked bad all around them. It looked like they weren't going to make it out of that situation. But what did they tell the king? King, if you kill us, we good. If we die in this furnace, we good. If we get out, we good. We believe our God will deliver us. 
And when the king said, turn it up seven times harder. And he said, looked over there again. He said, I, I see three men, but there's another one. It looked like the son of God. And, and didn't we tie them up when we put them in? Now they're loose. And guess what? They came up out of there. And it said they didn't even smell like smoke. Joy will get you through even in the midst of a bad situation. And you don't have to have everything around you perfect to have joy. You don't have to have everything around you going the way that you wanted to go to have joy. But one thing is about it reveals what you believe about God. Because while I'm going through, while I'm dealing with the troubles and the trials of life, I still got joy because I believe that God is going to bring me out on the other side. I still got joy because I believe that a good God works all things together for the good of them that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. I still got joy because I know he redeemed me and I know that he never leave me nor forsake me. I still got joy because I know that God is good even in troubled times. I still got joy because I know that God will be faithful to the faithful. Amen. Amen. I still got joy because I know that God is who he said he would. And have you ever noticed that after you dedicated, you get that celebration going, as I said earlier, and you began to celebrate? Well, here's that celebration. They dedicated the walls, and now it's time to celebrate. Can you imagine yourself amongst that two choirs, marching around the wall, singing the songs of God, marching around the wall, talking about how good God is, marching around the wall, and they weren't singing, marching to Zion, <laughs> that beautiful city of God. Hallelujah. They're marching around the walls. They're enjoying themselves in the Lord. But every time they move around the wall, they're noticing the goodness of the Lord. As they talk about them moving past the sheep gate, they recognize the goodness of the Lord. As they walk past the fish gate, they recognize the goodness of the Lord. As they walk past the guard gate, they recognize the goodness of the Lord. Because every time they're marching around the wall, it just tells them that the good God has been working in their lives. And as the good God has been working in their life. They began to celebrate and sing as they began to walk. The music is going. The singing is going. And they began to celebrate as they walk around the wall because they're reminded of just how good God has been. As we are making our way through life and we're being reminded of how good God is in our life. When they catch you at work, you ought to have a song on your lips. What you singing about? I'm singing about the goodness of the Lord. When they catch you at home and you just got a, a song and a, space, a smile of joy on your face, then you all say, what is, what's wrong with you? Why are you acting like that? Because I'm thinking about the goodness of the Lord. I've been walking around this earth thinking about just how good God has been. I've been walking around this earth just realizing how mighty God has been moving in my life. And as a result of that, I just want to celebrate. I just want to come on and have a good time in the Lord. Uh-huh. Somebody might hear cool in the game talking about celebrate. Come on, let's have a good time. That's what we ought to begin to do in the Lord when we understand that good God has been working in our life. But not only that, they said they purified themselves. They purified the walls. They purified the gates and they purified the people. That means there's a time where we understand cleansing is required. Cleansing has to take place. 
And I'm so glad and I'm so grateful that one day Jesus Christ shed his blood on the cross at Calvary, allowing his blood and water to come streaming down. That meant that cleansing was available. That meant that purification was available. That meant that the Lord was now moving on my side. That meant that the Lord had now made it possible for me to be cleansed of my sins. He made it possible for my sins to be washed away. He made it possible for me to accept him as Lord and Savior, to have a good God now working in my life because my sins had been washed away. The red blood of Jesus Christ is what covers me today. And I pray that the red blood of Jesus Christ is what covers you today. And because the blood of Jesus covers me today, I've been purified. Because the blood of Jesus covers you, you've been purified. Because the blood of Jesus purifies us, we ought to be ready to celebrate. We ought to be ready to give glory and honor to our Lord and our Savior. Because the blood of Jesus Christ has purified me. Because the blood of Jesus Christ has saved me. Because it sanctified me. Because the blood of Jesus Christ helped me to be able to tap into the Holy Spirit of God and be filled and sanctified by the power of God. Because of the blood of Jesus Christ, I've been purified under the name that, the only name that matters. The name of Jesus. And when I understand that I'm honoring the work of a good God, and I'm honoring a good God that's been working in my life. I'll dedicate myself to him. When I'm honoring a good God that's been working in my life, I'll come and with the convocation. I'll gather in the place for the purpose that he's called me. And when I'm honoring a good God that's been working in my life, I'm going to honor him by celebration. I'm going to celebrate his name. Give him the glory, give him the honor, and give him the praise because he is worthy. Because if it had not been for him, where would we be? I pray that that word stirred your soul. I pray that that word was moving you to the place that you realize that we've got to dedicate ourselves to the work of the Lord. That we've got to commit ourselves to the work of the ministry of Jesus Christ. That there's so much work for us to do that we've got to keep coming together. We've got to keep gathering gathering in the place, gathering in the purpose that God has called us to. And as we do so, we can come to that place of celebration where we can lift up the name of Jesus and that God might be glorified and that men and women shall come into the kingdom of God. But let's start with you. Have you accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? Have you come into that saving faith of our Lord? If not, why don't you accept Jesus Christ by praying this prayer with me? Father, I come now in the name of Jesus. I know, God, that I'm a sinner. I know that I need salvation. I believe Jesus Christ is your son. I believe that he died on the cross for my sins, and I believe that he rose again from the dead and now sits at your right hand. Father, I ask that you would come in now and save me. Save me by your grace. Save me by your mercy and your power. And then, God, I pray now that you would fill me with the power and the presence of your Holy Spirit. And as you fill me, O oh God, with the power and the presence of your Holy Spirit, now use me, Lord, for the glorification of your kingdom. Use me, Lord, that I might be of service to you, O oh God, and to the body of Christ, that I might now help others to come into a saving relationship with you. Again, I ask, God, that you would save me and fill me with the power and the presence of your Holy Spirit. Use me for your will and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, why don't you drop us a line at wesleyonmain at yahoo.com. 
That's WesleyOnMain at Yahoo.com to let us know that you've accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Or if you want to join us in our virtual worship, you can join us by going to our website, www.WesleyAMEZionChurch.net. That's www.WesleyAMEZionChurch.net. Or you're more than welcome to join us here in person at 615 Grandin Road here in the city of Charlotte, North Carolina. That's 615 Grandin Road, Charlotte, North Carolina. We would love to have you worship with us. And we pray God's blessings upon you. Until next time, God bless.